stop selling, start sharing your mission. It's a different level of existence. It's a different way of going about it. I want you to brag about your mission, about your purpose, your vision, the impact you want to have on the world, your cause. When you brag about those things, you're bragging about other people, how you're going to change the world for others. And you're not going to be bragging about yourself because that's all ego. You do that and you'll look like a rock star. This is Going Boldly, the podcast. Here's your host, Russ the Big Guy. Hi, it is Russ the Big Guy. I'm a lifelong entrepreneur who is very familiar with the struggles and successes related to running a business. I know it is definitely worth the struggle. The freedom and unlimited potential keep me moving forward, fueled by my why. Aligned with that is my desire to share with you, the entrepreneur and aspiring business owner, entertainment, information, inspiration, and even transformation into an even more amazing entrepreneur and human. To those ends, please enjoy this episode of Going Boldly. Hey, it's Russ. I am uh, not in the podcast studio today. As many of you know, if you've listened to a couple of the past uh, episodes, we had a little leak up there. Uh, the weather's up here in the southern tier of New York State has been uh, a little tricky this winter and uh, uh, rejuvenated a leak. <laughs> in the in the roof so the landlord uh last year we got uh, 40 some inches i think it was and it uh, caused all kinds of havoc in the area and uh, and we're still suffering from that because apparently the roof was not patched properly we're getting ice dams up there or whatever so i bailed out of there for right now i'm back home in my uh, little video studio office and we're doing these episodes here um, a little bit different. I'm kind of, kind of have to get used to the vibe again. Pretty excited to have our guest today, Josh Zeppes. That was an excellent job because most people kind of get that messed up. Well, so. I did ask you ahead of time, but <laughs> being the improvisational creative that I am, I, things don't stay in there very long. You know, I'm always afraid I'm going to mess up somebody's name. And I think of everything I do, that's probably, aside from forgetting to press record before I start, I've got this uh, Catholic school guilt thing like, this pressure to be perfect with people's names. And yeah, uh, and that's the number one question I get is, uh, well, sorry, that's the number two question I get is how do you pronounce your name? The number one question I get is what's wrong with your face? Were you born that way? Oh, so which, uh, I, I was, I was, and I, I'm not ashamed of it. It's cool. But, uh, a lot of folks ask how I pronounce my name and I say, I pronounce it Zeppis, but I'm not even sure if that's right. Oh, you know, I, I think I didn't come up with the name. I don't know if that's how it's pronounced. That's Good how point. I say it. So oh. I give people a lot of leeway. Say it how you want. It, it might be right, and maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> so well, I'm, I'm cool with that. Uh, do you know the origin of it? Uh, Russian yeah. origin. I know that, and I, I think would... it changed when it, when my ancestors came over to Ellis Island. Oh, they did all kinds of wacky things to people's names. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to say them in half. Eastern European or something, maybe. Yeah, or Russian possibly. Yeah. But it's interesting. Um, yeah. So my wife's uh, family, all four of her grandparents came from the same town in uh, what was Czechoslovakia, I guess. And yeah. um, they're Slovaks. And um, they met here, oddly enough, came over. I believe they were well, 18, 19, something like that. Um, anyways. Uh, her grandfather's last name was Kunst. So yeah. with a K. Yeah. So yeah. At, at Ellis Island, apparently they decided Kunst was a little bit too close to some other word that they didn't, that he probably wouldn't want to be named. So they changed it and they changed it to Kirst, K-U-R-S-T. And I always, oh, I always imagine, <laughs> exactly. I imagine these people at Ellis Island in the back room going, you know, it was, it was, it was constant. We, we, we can't have that word. We, we changed can't, it we can't to cursing. We changed it to cursed. <laughs> cursed. Was that yeah. a word back then? Honestly, K U R S. I'm not even sure. Oh, no, the other word, oh. the, the one that they were supposedly afraid of. I didn't realize that word was that old. I, I I don't I don't know. All I know is they changed it. So um, interesting. Yeah, exactly. Right. Anyways, welcome, Josh. I want to let our listeners know that Josh calls himself the identity archaeologist. He is going boldly. Uh, we're going to find out more about his journey from the cubicle to a flourishing, sarcastic entrepreneur. As oh. If you haven't figured that out already, our listeners are entrepreneurs, aspiring business owners, Josh. And um, what was wrong with that cubicle? It's safe in there, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Uh, te temporarily safe. Sure. Uh, now, I, I grew up as a soldier, believe it or not. Uh, I was a good soldier. I did everything I was told to do. Yeah. Right? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I followed. I, 
keep your head down. Don't make a lot of waves. Just, just obey the rules and it's all, it's all going to work out. So, you know, I was the first one in my family to go to college. And so I did that, got multiple degrees, got the safe, secure job, engineer for 20 years, uh, toe in the line. And, you know, I don't have any bad feelings for corporate America as far as my experience. Yeah. I was successful. I climbed the ladder. I was multi, multi six figure towards the end. I was a manager, parking space, stock options, you know, all that usual stuff. Um, and then I got a wake up call. I got a couple, I got a few wake up calls. Never got laid off surprisingly. Yeah. Uh, but I do get some wake up calls, right? You know, there's a point in life where you start realizing it's no longer about money. Mm-hmm. There, there's gotta be something more than just money. And I started seeing, you know, the code of the matrix, so to speak. And yes. I started seeing the glitches and I started seeing things that just something's not right here. Did you have any health challenges or anything, Josh? That a lot of times that's what wakes people up. No, what, what, this is what it was. I'll tell you the first draw is yeah. the biggest one. Uh, a friend of mine who was in the financial industry says, Hey, what's your retirement plan? I said, Oh, no worries, man. I got, I got this thing called a 401 K mm-hmm. and man it is like my religion. I'm max funding it. I was max funding it at that point for about 18 years. And I said, Oh, and he says, are you sure it's going to work? I said, of course it is. Look, everyone's got one. My grandparents told me to get one. Everyone's doing it. You know, the, the, the classic drug line, everyone's doing it. <laughs> everyone's so what? Doing no big it. deal. Uh, and so he says, I tell you what, do the math. You're a smart guy. You, you're not afraid of numbers. You're an engineer. Do the math. So I said, all right, fine. I took out my Excel spreadsheet. I did the math on it. And I said, wait a minute. Let me, let me try that again. In fact, let me, let me just use best case scenario. Taxes never go up. You know, the market never crashes. Yeah. Uh, and I keep max funding it for the next 30 years. Let me tell you something, Russ. Mathematically, I could not even come close to retiring on it. Yeah. And that blew such a big hole in my brain that I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So actually, that made me mad when I realized that. But let me tell you what really pissed me off. I wasn't supposed to know that it wasn't going to work until it was too late. I uncovered, I wasn't supposed to know this. This is, I was just supposed to believe it was going to work, try and retire at 65 like everyone else. Yeah. And then I was supposed to find out you're screwed. That threw me through. I, I just got so unhappy, so pissed off that I started opening up all the cabinet doors. I'm like, shoot, if I got lied to about this, what else am I missing? What else is, uh, what about success? Why are, why are happy people happy? Why are successful people successful? What, what am I missing? And I just go headfirst into personal development, into business entrepreneurship all kinds of things. And at that point, you know, you cannot ring the bell. Once you, I, I knew too much. I was like, I cannot sit here in this cubicle and expect and pretend that it's all going to work out. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing, but really you're um, leaving your future in somebody else's hands. That's well, what's a- interesting I find, I found, and I started doing more research into this, that I believe we're born entrepreneurs. I, I put together, call it like a white paper, where I, I took all the characteristics of an entrepreneur Mm-hmm. And then I took all the characteristics of a two-year-old and I compared them and I said, okay. And I started realizing they're identical. Like I couldn't find one characteristic of a two-year-old that wasn't present in an entrepreneur and vice versa. And, and I was just like, holy crap, we're supposed to be entrepreneurs. Now maybe we get conditioned out of it. We get taught otherwise. And we kind of are shamed into hiding our gift, hiding our purpose, mm-hmm. hiding our, our abilities. Uh, you know, the, the whole, Oh honey, there's no money in that. You ever hear that? Like, <laughs> oh, oh sure. mom, I think I could change the world like this. Oh honey, there's no money in that. Go be a lawyer. Yeah, we right? want like, you to, we want you to be secure and be safe. That's all. They're just, they're just wanting you to be safe, wanting to protect you. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's unnatural and, mm-hmm. and corporate and, and employment in general, is just an unnatural way of living. And look, it has its purpose. I'm not against it at all. You know, I think it's a great way to like kind of impre- apprentice to learn to, you know, to hone your skills, learn a craft, absolute great way to do that. Like people used to hundreds of years ago, but the overall, what it's become, it's become very unnatural. In well, other the, words, the industrial age is, has changed it. And that's, yes. I, I think that is the un, definitely the unnatural part. It's like, like you yeah. said that you had mentioned, you know, trades. And um, so a lot of what people did, even merchants were trading, um, trading goods, uh, different from the trades, obviously, but people were craftsmen, people were creating and learning th- through the system that was set up, right? Mentoring and such. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. And but the, here's the cool part. You were never an apprentice forever. At some point you had to go off on your own and become the master. Yeah. You had to go and, and, and produce your own. Well, that, that was the point of it. Yeah. But now what, what do we do? We put people into apprenticeship called employment 
and you're supposed to stay there forever until you're too tired to do anything else. And then, hey, by the way, now you got 60 more hours per week and nothing to do and less money to do it with. Mm. Have fun. <laughs> it's like, oh, crap. As a matter of fact, I've been there and I know it wasn't fun for me. So it's interesting, you know, I had an, uh, another guest on, he was convinced that all, there were a, a certain few that were naturally meant to be entrepreneurs. Most people were not wired that way. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I, I can definitely encounter that again with the two-year-old example. Yeah. You know, it may not be that far apart if, you, if you're considering that maybe uh, the nurture part beat it out of these people, then maybe that's not being accounted for. I definitely don't think that everyone is meant to be an entrepreneur, at least at least in the version of them that is appearing now, that exists now. I personally agree with you. I think everybody starts out that way. And then along the way, they get uh, ruined, if you will. Like there's that creativity, that stuff that you talk about. Those yeah. are all those wonderful characteristics, you know, the wonder, curiosity, creativity, all those sense things. of urgency. Yeah. Like, you ever see a two-year-old just strolling along? No, they're running. They're constantly yeah. like, I go, 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 go. Right. That's an entrepreneur too. Yeah. They, there's no like, com- there's no comfort. A two-year-old doesn't just sit in comfort and like smoke a cigar and like, you know, has a drink of their orange <laughs> juice. Like there's always a purpose. There's something they got to do. They believe in themselves. They want to jump off the roof and fly. They think they can do anything. Yeah. It's all, it's just amazing how that gets squashed. And what I call it, I call it getting adulterated. Ah, we get adulterated. As interesting. Kids. Yeah. Are there some institutions or some uh, closely held beliefs that stamp that out? Yeah, I, I think it is those, those paradigms that we set up. Uh, and in fact, I was having a conversation about school, and I think school is related to this, what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Twain said he never let schooling interfere with his education. If you look back at the history of schooling, yes, some of it's for education, but it's mostly for preparation for what we want people to do in society, which is to work yeah. to, in industrialized age, to become employees. We condition people to keep your head down, learn the facts, and become producers within a larger corporation. Yeah. Uh, I call it human batteries. You know, that's my little take on the matrix there where they kind of put you into a position, they suck up your energy, they throw you out, they put another battery in there. Yeah. Because in corporate America, they don't pay people. This is a big misconception out there. Corporate America, they pay the position. They don't pay the person. That's right. This, this position pay this position pays X. It's right yes. in the it's right in the job description. That's right. This position so once you're burnt out and once they you know you become mentally ill and you have these challenges, then you go bye bye and there's another warm body to fill the slot. So yeah, or or the position is no longer available; doesn't exist yeah. anymore. So yeah. So what do you what do you do with the the person? So it's not so much that this just happens to be our paradigm. A lot of it is just by design. You know, I'm definitely no conspiracy theorist, anything like that. Yeah. But this really is by design. You know, marketing works because we're trained to believe it. We're 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 told not to think too much. You know, think a little bit. Be, you know, be productive, but look how well marketing works, how well marketing convinces us that, Hey, look, drink this beer and have fun. They're yeah. the same thing. <laughs> you know, it's stuff like that, you know, drink this poison or eat this really bad fast food. Then you'll be a, a good person. You'll be, yeah, loving, you'll be it. loving it. Da, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> <You're> loving. So <laughs> as uh, your health goes through the, so, the, the into the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, as they say, you don't have to eat the junk. You can eat the healthier items, wherever they are, their salads and their apples and stuff. So. Sure. Yeah. But right. that's hard okay. to do. That's hard. <laughs> that's hard to do. And those nice greasy, salty fries are right in front of you. Let me ask you about your journey out of there. So you were in the cubicle, your eyes were opened. Yep. And, uh, and so what happens? They, were you flailing around? Did you feel lost? Were you that two year old again? Or, or what's, what's the story? I read somewhere that you tried or you do stand up. So that's quite a creative thing. And you're helping entrepreneurs. Tell me about this. Yeah, I, I would say it was both exciting and scary at the same time, which is the same physiological process. So I was excited about the, the future and the potential, but I was scared. I still had my employee mindset to some extent, and I hadn't fully converted to the entrepreneurial mindset. So I, I, I wouldn't say I was fully ready for what I was going to go through. And I, got, I, I went into the financial industry because when I got the 401k wake-up call, oh. I thought, wow, I got to share, share this with other people, right? I need to like, announce this and, and get out there and, and share it. So that became my first business, doing financial literacy mm-hmm. and helping people make different choices or giving them different options than, uh, for retirement, insurance, things like that. 
And that was great. That was a wake up call and as well, a, a very good path for growth for me, mm. uh, where I learned about sales. Cause let me tell you, sales is a four letter word yeah. where I came from. Like I would walk into, it's when I remember like walking into stores, like a Best Buy and you know, the blue shirts kind of approach you and they want to sell you something. And I'm like, leave me alone. Right? I was that person. I was like, leave me alone. I know what I want. If I need help, I'll ask. Yeah. Like I thought sales was like used car salesman and timeshare and I don't want nothing to do with it. So I had to overcome my own demons in what I thought sales was, especially getting into uh, you know, the financial industry where it really is all about sales. What was the mindset, the switch in your, your mindset with that? That you actually have to believe in the crap you're selling, that you have to really believe you're helping people, yeah. that you have to have a mission bigger than your products or service. And this is the stuff I teach now. Yeah. Stop selling. Stop selling products. Start sharing your mission. It's a different level of existence. It's a different way of going about it. Because here's the other thing. I'm very introverted. Believe it or not, I'm extremely still. I was more so in the past, but I'm a very, very introverted person. Yeah. And when I help people with their branding and I say, you know, you got to be proud. You got to stand tall and really stand up, stand out. And they're like, Josh, I'm an introvert, man. I am not going to brag about myself. I'm very humble. That's not what I'm going to do. I said, okay, I got you. But here's what you need to brag about. Don't brag about yourself. I want you to brag about your mission. I want you to brag about your purpose, your vision, your, your, the impact you want to have on the world, your cause, your stand. Because all those things, that, when you brag about those things, you're bragging about other people. Because you're bragging about how you're going to change the world for others. And you're not going to be bragging about yourself. Because that's all ego. So that's one of the little switches that when I work with an introvert yes. entrepreneur, yeah. Once they hear that, they're like, holy crap, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I could brag about my mission because it's all about others. I'm like, perfect. You do that and you'll look like a rock star. Yeah. And I think that when you're sharing the mission, that's something that you're passionate about. An individual is passionate about yeah. that. So that's easy to um, talk about really. That's and, and you don't feel like you're bragging, right? You feel like you really do feel like you're sharing something that's important. That's right. And then the products become secondary. So the products get a, so in other words, the products aren't what you do anymore. The products are just how you do it. Yeah. So when I was selling life insurance, when I was in life insurance, I was like, Oh, what do you do? I do life insurance. No, that's not what you do. That's how you do what you do. What you do is you make sure maybe, um, my four-year-old gets to go to college. And if I die in a car accident tomorrow, you know, what you do is you make sure my wife doesn't have to beg for money if I pass away because no one should ever have to beg and grieve at the same time. Yeah. Like maybe that's what you do. How you do it is life insurance. So it's all about elevating the conversation above the low level, low energy products and services. And when I figured that out, everything changed. And this is why I teach what I do today. This is kind of the, my genius I found out yeah. that I was able to provide to others. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and the way you say it, I think is important too, the way you communicate it. So like the things that you said just there about life insurance, that was, uh, that would really touch someone, right? Absolutely. That, right before this, I was talking with someone who's in IT. And she's, she's selling the quote unquote, I'm doing my air quotes here. You can't see it, yeah. but she's selling it services. I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> stop selling it services. Yeah. There's 500 million it companies out there that are all selling their same crap and using the same jargon. Yeah. You need security. You got to have spam protection, blah, blah, blah. I said, hold on a second. Who do you work with? She's like, we work with companies, you know, between 50 and 150 people. I said, okay those are small companies. Those are still families. Maybe what you do is you offer family protection for their business, right? Because at home, they protect their family by locking their doors. They have a security system, cameras, right? So no intruder can come in and wipe them out. Yeah. What you're doing is you're helping them protect their business family against the same thing happening. Because who wants to have to lay off their entire family if someone breaks in and wipes them out clean? And you just see her brain, I don't know if it melted or if it yeah. lit up, but something <laughs> happened. And it completely changed the way she thought about what she does. Well, you made an impact there for sure. That's the power though. How'd you feel? How do you feel when you see that? See that, oh, I love see it. that face. <laughs> That's my soul food. <laughs> Isn't that something? And, and did you ever get that in the cubicle? No, uh, uh, no, heck no, man. Yeah. I, no, no. That was, that, I call that the rat race because that's all it was. It was just yeah. a groundhog day, a <laughs> groundhog year. Or decade. Did you think that that's one of the common traits of an entrepreneur is, um, is sort of that feeling of, of satisfaction when you, when you see that you've made an impact with someone that an important change, they've gone through some transformation or the light bulb went on. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with what I, what I would call heart centered entrepreneurs, people that are, are more mission focused and driven than product folks and driven. Look, let's be honest. 
there's some entrepreneurs out there that they are product focused, they're yeah. profit focused and not judging that that's one way to go. Uh, but I'm seeing a change. I'm seeing a lot more folks that are more heart driven and maybe that's just my circles I'm in. I don't want to make this broad statement across the board. Everyone's getting more yeah, heart centered. I, I, I think you've noticed something that's real. Yeah. Yeah, I really do. There's validity to the other part of that too, which is um, you start to surround yourself and, and be connected with people who have the same sort of priorities. Those Absolutely. are those are the people that we notice. Our brain is looking for them now that we've determined that these are the values that we cherish. And so, yeah. and then that's, that's all, that's the only people I work with because to me, those are the ones that need the most help. When you're heart centered, you're often what I call business shy. Mm. And I, my, so my big purpose, the reason I exist is to bring humanity back to business. Right. I believe that not only being human in business is easier because you get to tell the truth, which is yeah. a lot of fun, yeah. uh, but it's also more profitable because you don't have the dissonance. You don't have the cognitive, spiritual, emotional, and mental dissonance of leading two lives, yes. a personal life and a business life. Yeah. You said a mouthful there. Yeah. Yeah. How's that for a nugget? You get your umbrella open? That's a real good one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's raining. It's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that you use that analogy. I talk about those nuggets too, the golden nuggets, you know. We try yeah. to we're trying to make sure we get a few in every every episode. Let me ask you to describe a case study, a successful case study where where this, you know, where you got 100% fulfillment from the results working with somebody. Can you think of someone, an example of someone who maybe the, had that transformation and uh, really got it? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a different example than, okay. than that woman. Um, I was working with a guy, he's an IO psychologist. Say it again. And he's an, I didn't know what this was either before I met him. He's an IO psychologist, a uh, what's the best way to put it? He helps, he helps technical people become managers. Okay. So he helps them transition from a very technical position, like an engineer, mm. and he helps them become an effective manager of people. Interesting. It's a, it's a really fascinating service he provides. I had done some work with some, uh, engineers and, yeah, uh, and improv. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I try to teach him improv. <laughs> <laughs> I, fa I think I failed miserably because I didn't quite understand who they were. And some of the stuff I was asking them to do, uh, it was more than uh, a 40 minute session. <laughs> so. I think they needed a prep work. I think they needed work on how to let their emotions out. Yeah. Like, uh... <laughs> All right. So back to the example. So that, that's what he does. He, his trouble was it's such a technical uh, service he provides. How does he articulate this? In, in a way that makes sense to non-technical managers who are, you know, the directors, he's talking to directors that are going to bring him in and he's going to work with their top technical person who's got the most talent and help them become managers. Yeah. So we, we go through a lot of rigmarole and like what I do is I dig very deep. I'm, I have, I dig with questions. That's why I'm the archeologist. I go deep, deep, deep. There's a treasure down there somewhere. Yeah. And we ended up going back into his history where he used to work for Exxon and he worked for actually a few different oil and, and natural gas type of companies. And there was one common theme. He kept having bad bosses and it, it would, it, every time he had a bad boss, it would stress him out. It would ruin, it, would, it eventually ruined his career over and over and he had to get out. And I, I just, we got to this point where it's like, what do you stand for, man? Like, what is, what is this real thing that you want to change in the world? He's like, I don't want any more freaking bad bosses. I'm like, bingo. And we just sat there for a second and it just hit him that that's exactly what he does. He says, I don't want there to be any more bad bosses. He says, nobody wants to be a bad boss. So we don't need to have any bad bosses. And that's my job. That is my mission. That is my duty now. And that's what he talks about now. That's, that's it. And it just opened up an entire world of him being able to connect with any other human being on that true real level. And then of course, you know, he brings his services in as needed. So that was just a memorable one for some reason, because we're talking about engineers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He, he's sort of, he's fighting the, against the Peter principle, you know, in a hierarchy, people are um, promoted to their highest level of incompetency Incompetence. Yeah. So yeah, we think about a great engineer now is, it has to learn how to be a manager, how to be a boss, how to lead right. a group or whatever, you know, which may or may not have been part of previous um job description if you will although anybody can be a right. leader right but uh, uh being the official boss is different <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a whole different thing and, the, and the, the fun part is nobody wants to be a bad boss yeah so the question was why are they bad bosses why do we have bad bosses and that just that just set them on a whole path for discovering that and articulating it and 
it just it just made it so easy for him to get excited about it. Now you're talking a very shy guy himself, right? Very introverted person. Mm. But when I see an introverted person willing to stand up for what's right and really to shine their message and take a stand in the world, that there's nothing more special than that. Because everyone thinks of that as an introvert. I'm uh, sorry, an extrovert. Extroverts, yeah, they're the ones who are always out there. They're boisterous. They're saying what they mean, whatever's on their mind. Yeah. But to have an introvert really do that, that's a powerful combination. Because now you got the best of both worlds. Introverts are great at, at building relationships. They're, they're good listeners. They, they, they know how to, they're really the best salespeople, honestly. Mm. But then you combine that with the extrovert principles and characteristics of shouting your message from the rooftops because you really care that much and willing to get, put yourself into uncomfortable situations mm-hmm. and share your message because it means that much to you because you're on a mission that's so much bigger than you, so much bigger than your business. That's special. Very good. Well, I love the idea of these gold nuggets, you know, and as you, uh, you're the, well, you're like the gold nugget rainmaker. Is that what you're, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I've got a few, you know, we can, yeah. there's more we can uncover. Yeah. Well, you yeah, go. I love this stuff. <laughs> I love this stuff for the listeners, you know, and, uh, and there, we have all kinds of people, obviously, who are trying to make a change, trying to improve their lives, and and not everybody is an extrovert. And, you yeah. know, it's interesting. I met a couple introverts once, and I had a conversation with this one in particular. He's a very talented guy, but he was so much the introvert. And, you know, I used to think that I was an introvert too, but I realized, I guess part of me is, but I didn't have a lot of the skills I needed to be other than that. I didn't have the communication skills. I didn't have, I didn't feel like I had enough knowledge in different areas or what have you. So it it wasn't like I wanted to stay there. It was kind of a safe place. Well, this particular guy, he's had a conversation with me one day. He goes like, I get really upset when people try to make me be something other than I am. I'm an introvert. It's what I am. And you know, this should be, that should be enough for people. And mm-hmm. I thought about it and I thought, well, he's right. If, if that's him, I mean, why are we trying to change him all the time? You know, we don't go tell the extroverts that they need to be introverts. We, you know, you know it's kind of a, a value judgment on how, how much value we think this person has. So, cause, so introverts, they could still have a lot of the same characteristics, but then use those strengths as you described introverts are good listeners, et cetera. They have other skills that are important, right? So it's not like they're denying themselves necessarily. They're building, on, right. building on what they have. That's right. Absolutely, man. And that's, that actually goes to a core principle, I believe as well, is that a true brand is about being honest, telling the truth. You're an introvert. Great. That's fine. Because people, in fact, I was talking about this earlier, that people think there's magic words. Like, Josh, give me the magic words to say it, you know, when I do my networking pitch or I do an elevator yeah. pitch or something <laughs> like that. I'm like, yeah. Hold on, hold on a second. Time out. There's no freaking magic word. Stop it. Just like there's no magic pill to lose weight. There's no magic words that's going to make people want to get into business with you. Yeah. However, however, with that said, there are right words. And the right words are the ones that come from a place of your truth, what you truly stand for, the conviction that's in your heart, that, that, that comes from a place where the kind of words that can move mountains when you're on a mission, mm. right? There are those right words, but they have to be true because here's the, here's a nugget for you. When you do a presentation, when you're doing a pitch, you're doing a presentation of any kind, no one has to believe a word you say. Your job is not to convince anyone. No one has to believe anything you say. They're only looking to see if you believe the crap that you're sharing. They're looking for, in other words, what that's, what that's called is conviction. They just want to know, does this person actually believe what they're saying? Yeah. Right. Cause no one's going to fact check you real time. It's, it, it's not about them trying to believe everything you say. It's just like, I need to know that this person actually believes what they're saying first. Yeah, There's no magic there. words. The, the magic words are the right ones. The ones that are, are truthful and honest and open and authentic. And I know those are a bunch of buzzwords now, unfortunately. Yeah, but they're, but they're but, good. They're good buzzwords though, I guess, yeah. really something that was really denied in the past. Back in the cubicle days, <laughs> back in the old school marketing days, I've talked about this before. It was always create an image and then sell that. You know, that's what you put out. It doesn't that's have right. to be real. And that sucks, man. There's no way to live. I would say that's why I rally against professionalism too. Professionalism is just another form of, of faking it. It's trying to say the right thing at the right time. And, mm. you know, your, your ego is leading the way and you have to look a certain way and do a certain thing. And I'm just like, stop it. Professionalism is a poison. That's the one thing that'll really pick down your business if you're not careful. Interesting. When you're talking about presenting yourself, does that intersect with uh, your CFI that you talked about, your 
compelling first impression? Yes, absolutely. That's just one form. Yeah. Talk about that. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite things is to help people with is creating that first impression. You know, they, they say in life, you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. Well, yeah, it's true in business also. Gee, business is uh, part of life, isn't it? Yeah. What they don't teach anymore in school, and that, that, at least they don't stress it enough in school, is that people buy you first, your product or service second. And if they don't buy you, if they just don't like you for whatever reason, like they're, they're not going to even look at your product or service, no matter how much they need it, no matter how great it is. I mean, you could be selling the cure for cancer in a pill, right? At pain-free, cure for cancer in a pill. Someone with stage four cancer, you can, be, you can approach them and say, hey, take this pill. And if they think you're an asshole, if they just don't like you, they'd rather die than give you business. Do you realize how this is human nature? And so when we go present ourselves and we're doing these business first impressions, whether it be a presentation, a networking pitch, a email, uh, a cold call, doesn't matter. It's amazing how often we lead with the wrong thing. We try and sell our product first. Yeah. We don't even try to even open up and talk about ourselves, our mission, why we care, why are, why are we the ones talking to this person? Why, why should this person even, even listen to us and not the other 50,000 people that sell the same crap? You know, all of this stuff, we don't even consider. We make the worst first impression, and then we wonder why we're not getting to the second impression, which is the first chance the sale can happen, is when someone sits down with you and you start building that relationship one-on-one or in, within your website or depends on your product. Yeah. But it's that second impression is when the sale happens. Not, no one's going to buy your stuff on a first impression. Well, what's your formula? Is, what's your formula for that uh, compelling first impression? Well, I'll tell you what not to do, and then we can talk about what to do. But what not yeah. to do is, here's what people don't care about on the first impression. This is going to ruffle some feathers. This is fun. All right. People don't care what your name is. <laughs> they don't care what your name is. Yeah. They're not gonna fact, re- they don't of, remember it anyways. They're not going to remember it. But honestly, like for me, I'll talk for myself. I didn't choose my name. Yeah. It's not even like I chose my name and it's something special. It's just a name, right? Oh. But if, if my name was different, Russ, let me ask you, if my name was Mary, yeah, would my value to the world be different, do you think? Were your value? Yeah, what I'm bringing to the world right now, would it be different if I, if I just had a different moniker, if my name was Mary no. or Susan? No. I don't know why I'm choosing female names. I guess yeah. it's just silly. but So it's not, right? So again, on our first impression, that doesn't matter. Your title, of the your business title that you give yourself, CEO, yeah. VP, insurance man, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Your your personality, your good looks, thank goodness for me, like uh, your business name, all this stuff, your logo, all, none of this matters on a first impression. People want to know why you care before they care what you know. They, okay. People want to know, why are you the one talking to me? Why should I listen to you? And by the way, Russ, did you ever once think about me? Before you tell me how great your products and services are, can you yeah. just share that you thought about me? Did you kind of know where I am in life? Yeah. Can you just empathize for two freaking seconds that you <laughs> might have a clue why I woke up three o'clock in the morning last night in a cold sweat? Yeah. Yeah. Can you something? please just let me know that you give two shits about me before you tell me how great your freaking commodity crap is. And please, like, don't, is, please don't DM me on LinkedIn and then uh, just uh, start selling me. <laughs> yeah. So this is the part, and this is what I call bringing your humanity back to your business. Yeah. This is the part where you have to be a human being. And like, and I said before, this is profitable. This is far more profitable. And it's for a very specific reason, because the only unique thing in your business is you. This is a part where um, the introverts need help. Mm -hmm. I know this is a part where people who haven't learned uh, good, uh, good and proper uh, communication skills, you know, for whatever reason, you know, they need help. Um, mm-hmm. there's, um, they deserve to be able to communicate with other people. And, and, and some people are socially anxious. People definitely need help with this stuff. So, um, take us to the next step. So, okay. So we know we're not supposed to try to sell them. We want them, we want people to know, right. That, uh, we care. And mm-hmm. so how do we do that, Josh? Very it's step one. And this is the hardest part is getting clarity, clarity on our, but I, and I call it our brand. Cause it's just, it really is what it is. Uh, mm-hmm. But getting clarity on why we get out of bed in the morning. Okay. Look, we have to wake up biologically. We can't stay asleep forever. We have to wake up, but we don't have to put two feet on the ground. And there's gotta be some other reason than money. Why we get out of bed. 
whatever that is, that's probably akin to your purpose. Mm -hmm. And then once you have a purpose, which is why you exist, why your business exists, now you've got to look at your mission. How are you going to bring that purpose to fruition? How are you going to do that? And that's your mission. And then your vision is what the world looks like when you're done, when you've accomplished your mission. How great is the world? What have you changed? What have you impacted? Uh, and what did you stand for along the way? And, how, and with what values did you do it with? So those are just a few examples. Let's call them brand assets. Yeah. That with clarity around these brand assets, all of a sudden, everything else becomes easy. So we're integrating, say easy, simple. In- integrating yeah. that into what we are producing in terms of um, yes. marketing materials, right? Or our yes. web, website this is the message. or, or our, our yes. social, social media postings and such. How do we do that in person with someone? Mm-hmm. Let's say one of our listeners is at a networking event. They have some clarity around what they're, what they're doing and why they're doing it and why it's important to them. Is there a way to communicate that in a, in a, a, a short span of time or is that asking too much? Yeah, no, that, there absolutely is. Uh, so look, let's talk about the number one business question that we're all going to get asked, which is, hey, tell me, what do you do? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. We're always going to get asked that question. And it's amazing to me how many folks mess it up or fumble it or stutter or stammer. Or, you know, they, they list all their services as fast as they can, trying to get it within the 20 seconds, you know? Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. When someone asks you, what do you do? Again, what they're saying is empathize with me. Share with me the transformation that you're promising and let me know how good it's going to feel if I decide to trust you. So you can answer that question in, in, in many different ways. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to list your products. You don't want to share your services, nothing like that. You don't want to hit them with a borrowed title mm-hmm. or a label. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I always like, and there's different ways to answer this. Honestly, if you just answer with what pisses you off that day, that would be fantastic. If you just say, you know, I just, you've heard of GoFundMe, Right. I just saw a, a listing today that, you know, uh, currently now a single mom, 29 years old, three kids, she's begging for money because her husband passed away. Right. And, and it just freaking hit me in the heart, like a damn dagger. And you know what? I'm not putting up with that crap anymore. You know, that my mission honestly is to make sure that no person ever has to grieve and beg at the same time. Right. And, and that's it, right. You could, you could say something like that. And then the answer you should get is, wow, that's, that's awesome. Kudos. Yeah. You know, I mean, the person might even start clapping, but then they're going to ask you, how do you do that? That's fantastic. But I, I don't understand. How do you do that? Now they're asking you for permission. They're, they're begging you to share the details, which is when you say, Hey, great. You know, we're networking right now. I tell you what, let's set up a one-on-one. I'd love to share more information and answer any questions you have about this. But see, they've already bought in emotionally. Now they're already, you kind of pulled there. Maybe they lost someone close to them recently. Maybe, they've seen what you're talking about. Maybe they can relate to the single mom who's now begging and grieving at the same time. And then maybe they agree with you that that's a freaking injustice, mm. right? Now they're, they're emotionally in with you. Now they're ready for the details. Now they want to know your product. Now they want to know that you sell insurance or you're doing funeral services or whatever the heck you're doing. Now they want, now they want to know more. But now they're asking you to know more. You're not pushing it on them. You're not saying, hey, look at my services. Hey, look at my sales page. Uh, yeah. But there's lots, of, there's lots of ways to answer that question. It's just, again, it goes back to being human. It goes back to the higher level conversation of why are you even in this business and not a different one. I love it. Yeah, that's very good. So, yeah, I appreciate you uh, doing that illustration for us because I think a lot of people do have difficulty with that. So anytime we can illustrate something that one of our aspiring entrepreneurs might emulate, I think there's value there. So I want everyone to be clear. The goal of a first impression is to get to the second impression. Mm-hmm. It's not to make a sale. Mm-hmm. So what you want to draw, you want to create two emotions. You want to create excitement and you want to create curiosity. If you can create those two emotions on a first impression, you're going to get the second impression, guaranteed. And guess what? They're not going to ghost you. They're not, yeah. not going to like set up this meeting. They're going to be like, where do they, where do they go? Yeah. Goodness protection plan or something. Yeah, it's so obvious now on social media. This is people just going for the numbers, obviously. Someone did a friend request. Yes, I'm connecting with you. Let's be friends or whatever. And then bing, sales procedure start. You know what? Yep. You may have the... You may have the greatest thing since sliced bread, as Grandpa used to say. If that's the case, I'm going to feel bad if I miss out on it. But um, the only way I'm going to find it is if you start interacting with me on the platform. And then I learn about you. 
And what do I learn, Josh? Like and trust. And it's in that order. Say it again for the people up in the cheap seats. All right. People buy from who they like and trust in that order. <laughs> like <laughs> always has to come first. Right. It, it happens in like eight seconds, but trust takes time. In fact, if you, someone likes you, you may actually get the opportunity to earn their trust. Perfect. All right. Hey, Josh, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's the best, what's the best way to do that? Uh, the two best ways are one is my website, joshzeppis.com, and also on social media and Facebook and LinkedIn especially is where I'm most active. No one else has my name, so you're not going to get confused. I'm not John Smith. So you see Josh Zeppis, I guarantee you it's me. Okay. Uh, and I'll throw something else out there. Yeah, if go ahead. somebody does want to do a quick session on how to uniquely answer that question. What do you do? And, and we'll do it. We'll do it real time live and it'll be a lot of fun. And that's just a free business asset. I like to give out like a public service. Uh, it's my website, joshdebbis.com forward slash W D Y D for what do you do? W D Y D. I'm happy to do that for your audience just because you guys are awesome. Yeah, that's great. A good way to get to know people as well and people get to know you, right? And uh, I think that's one really important thing. Oh, I need to do a breakaway just real quick and give a shout out to Will, Tom, and Nate. They're three young guys who own ParlorCityFurniture.com. Um, they're just killing it over there. And they're now a sponsor of the podcast, which is awesome. They're helping me outfit a new video studio and I have a, a cool standing desk. It's motorized, goes from seated to standing. There's pre-recorded or pre-programmed positions also. Um, and we're going to be doing some upgrades in the podcast studio too. So they're super motivated, super cool. Uh, they want to help you. They're very excited about their business. They ship globally. You can find out more at parlorcityfurniture.com. Back to the show. All right, listen, you know what? We're not done, Josh. I don't know if you know about this, but uh, we, have okay. the, we have the questions. It's time to answer the questions. I double dare you. All right, Josh, it is time for the questions. This is where our listeners get to know you and like you a little bit better. And uh, question number one, are you ready? Actually, that was quite, uh, no, that was, I'll yeah. never admit I'm ready, but <laughs> go for it. I guess that would have been, that would have been question uh, zero, <laughs> I guess. Are you ready? Okay. Who do people tell you that you look like? Uh, I, Matt Damon, believe it or not. I don't see the resemblance, but some other people do. And have you ever signed an autograph as Matt? <laughs> no, I haven't. I almost signed one as, um, who's that guy that, oh shoot, bald head, wears the glasses. Um, <laughs> the actor? Uh, the actor. Yeah. In fact, I used to do bodybuilding competitively. So I, I was also had, three, oh. you know, 200 pounds of muscle. Oh, was he in the, uh, Kingsman? Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. Oh, Vin Diesel. Yeah. Oh, I see. When, okay. I, when, I was, when I was bodybuilding and I wore my dark glasses, I looked All like right. Diesel. I got it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I could see that. Yeah, you got some guns there. You're you're kind of a uh, you're kind you're kind of not flexing them in one of your your uh, your pictures. Your non professional oh, uh, pic, but you know. But I'm you are, tiny now. Let me you tell you. Are at the same ten time. years ago? Ten years ago, I was bit much much bigger. So yeah. No, now I'm tiny, Tim. I just kind of. Well, I can't find shirts to fit me as it is, so but anyways, <laughs> not because of muscles. <laughs> All right, number two, you ready? You're gonna like this one. What's your favorite groaner joke? Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! There's so many. I'm a, I'm a mom and dad joke kind of guy. All right. So hit us. All right. All right. What's okay? Here you go. What's a pirate's favorite letter? Hmm. I know the answer to this one. Go ahead. You do. Say it. Of what course. R. Oh, uh, no, no, no. You think it'd be R, uh, but it'd actually be the C. Wait, what? <laughs> it'd actually be oh, the, the C. C. <laughs> the C's are fair. Come on. Oh, you set me up for that one. Oh, that was pretty good. So <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, Russ. Hold yeah. on, Russ. I, I, I was just kidding. Actually, oh. their favorite letter is P, because without it, boy, are they irate. <laughs> I love this multi-level groaner. This is good. <laughs> that was a double groaner for you. Yeah, yeah, triple. Does it go deeper or no? Uh, that's oh that's all gosh. I got. That or you know why does the what if you want if you like pirates I guess uh, why can't why can't a pirate recite the alphabet? I don't know because they always get lost at sea. Oh my gosh! 
Yeah. All right. That's enough. Those are, <laughs> those are really bad. <laughs> so uh, a piece of string walked. Yeah. A piece of string walked into a bar. Bartender said, Hey, get out of here. We don't, we don't serve string. Uh, so the string went outside and they, once he got outside, he had inspiration and uh, he twisted himself up like a pretzel, messed up his hair and went back inside. And the bartender said, Hey, aren't you the string that was just in here? And uh, he said, the string said, no, I'm afraid not. I'm afraid not. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, question number three. Where were you born? Where'd you grow up? Oh, I was about to say the hospital, but I was born in the city of Miami. Grew up in uh, Broward County, which is near Fort Lauderdale. Oh, yeah. Town called Margate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Mar- no kidding. Yeah, friends in Margate. Um, yeah. Okay, so, oh, this will be interesting. Let's do it this way because we can trade. Give me a little anecdote, a little, could be a secret or um, a very interesting little comment or anecdote or story about growing up in Margate or something about Margate, something special. And then I actually actually have one for you because several years ago, I spent a couple months with friends in Margate. Well, my my story is kind of a, it's a weird one, I guess. My first job was in Margate. Um, but that's not what I want. My second job was also in Margate. And what I did, I worked at a Jewish delicatessen and I went into these big ovens where they smoked whitefish and oh. I scrubbed the inside, the guts and the disgusting. And I came home, uh, from scrubbing these fish ovens and my clothes would smell so bad. My mom made me strip on the front porch. I couldn't walk in the house unless I was totally naked and totally stripped off all my clothes and they were crusty. They would like stand on their own. That's oh how my, bad it was. Oh my God. So, how's that? That's my memories of Margate, by the way. That's it. <laughs> oh dear. Crusty fish clothes. Oh my gosh. Well, when I was there, um, some, and I thought this was one of those urban myths, but uh, someone had robbed a liquor store nearby and the police were out looking for them that night. Apparently it was, it was done after dark and mm-hmm. did not find this person. And the next day they found half of them in one of the canals. Oh, wow. Alligator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So people who don't live in the area, um, I, I guess uh, the water table so high there that they, they dig the canals, take the dirt out, put it up, uh, you know, on top of the land they didn't dig out. And I guess that raises things up and they, they build the houses there. So where in other communities, you might have a little swale between your backyard and your neighbor's backyard or a fence or something. In many places in Florida, they actually have a, a little canal and people mm-hmm. often have boats there, they have docks and boats, and they fish in it. And um, yep. apparently the um, um, the swamp rats, the river rats, or whatever that come up out of there are quite a, a, a challenge, I'm told. Um, but they're often kept at bay by the gators that live in it. So uh, apparently this guy he wasn't from the neighborhood or he was very desperate. I don't know, one or the other. But I think I would... I I would take I would take a, a cot and and three hots before I would challenge a gator. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the lesson here is if you're running from the police, don't hide in a canal in Margate, Florida. No kidding, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> so I was quite I was surprised to hear this because as I mentioned before I beforehand, um, I just assumed I've heard of these things and I just assumed that they were kind of like urban myths or you know just like legends or stories that got. Um, every time they got traded between people, they got more, um, you know, crazier and more dramatic, but apparently now, every, every, everything, every strange thing you've ever heard about Florida is 100% true. Yeah. I found that out. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's really, it is a strange place. A lot of strange people there at least. All right. Hmm. Often I ask a coaching question at the end. I, I'd like to, rather than ask your permission to ask you a coaching question, I, I think I'd like to ask your opinion on, on some stuff. We have listeners who are aspiring entrepreneurs. They may already be business owners. And um, what are your observations about a common internal obstacle? They just have a toe in the water right now. They they haven't lived the life yet, right? Do you have any any opinions on what that mm-hmm. might be and then what they could do to overcome that obstacle? Yeah, you know, the thing that comes to mind, and I'm going to go out there and probably give you an answer that you've never heard before just for fun. I would say the adversary. They've never met the adversary or not in the way that an entrepreneur has met it. Uh, so someone who's looking getting, to getting into entrepreneurship, uh, and I'm not going to define the adversary. You take it how you want, but the adversary is going to come after you in two places. Mm-hmm. It's going to come after you the moment you try and you make a decision to start something new, start something big. 
to move forward in life in some way or business. And it's going to make you stub your toe. And it's going to try and get you to give up right away. Uh, if you persist, then the next time you're really going to see the adversary is right before success. You're going to be on the 99 yard line of life and, or of the field, right? Or of your business. And, and it's going to throw everything including the kitchen sink at you. It's going to, it's going, your, your mom's going to pass away. Your cat's going to die. Uh, you're going to get the, you know, world war three is going to start and like everything is going to go wrong. Um, but that's how, you know, you're close to success. And the only thing you got to do is keep pushing forward. They keep your eye on the goal on that finish line on that goal line. And, but that's where a lot of folks, uh, unfortunately do give up. Uh, they either give up in the beginning, right? They were not really that serious. They stubbed their toe Ouch! Oh, I'm out. Right. Go back to the sidelines. Or they right on the 99 yard line, they give up. And my advice is every time that adversary shows up, smile, talk to them, say, really? That's the best you got. All right. Not going to work this time. Sorry. Like actually have a conversation. People have conversations with imaginary friends. That's fine. All for it. Go for it. Uh, I have conversations with imaginary adversaries. Like every time something goes wrong, like, come on, you're not going to, that's not going to deter me because I know where I'm going. I'm very clear on what that finish line looks like. I know what my mission is and I'm not stopping until I get there. No matter what, you're going to have to kill me. And even that may not stop me. So it's this attitude shift that I just want aspiring entrepreneurs to know that stuff's going to go bad. It's going to go wrong. It's going to feel wrong. Uh, but when you're clear on why you exist and where you're going, there's no reason to give up ever, ever, ever. That helped. That is perfect, Josh. Thank you very much, Josh, for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge. I think that you gave the perfect explanation for the adversary and what to do with it. And it's going to be different for everybody, right? So it's that internal right. obstacle, those voices inside. Great. Uh, listeners, check out www.joshzeppis.com forward slash WDYD, standing for what do you do. All right, check them out. That concludes another episode of Going Boldly. I hope you were entertained and you discovered at least one nugget of wisdom or advice that you can put into action immediately. Or maybe you received some inspiration from today's episode. And I'm certain you know at least one person who needs this podcast. Please share it with them. You might be the important link that will change their life for the better. Subscribing means you will not miss an episode and it will make it easier for me to schedule guests because I can show them that the audience is growing. So please subscribe. It will benefit us all. Let me know how I can make this show even better. Leave a comment and send me a DM. I read everyone personally, and I do my best to respond to each and every one. As a thank you, I'll be awarding prizes. And to keep you on your toes, the winners will be randomly selected from names I find in the comments, shares, DMs, and from the list of subscribers. Prizes might be Going Boldly merch or products supplied by my guests or just something random and fun. But you have to comment, share, DM, or subscribe to be eligible to win. A special thanks to Brenna Swanger at Waverly Manor Studios for our great theme music. And finally, thanks for listening. Go boldly, keep at it, and wash your hands.